You're listening to the Open Tab Podcast with Ani Sridhar and Mitch Lewis. Welcome to the Open Tab Podcast. It's July 28th. I'm Ani Sridhar. It's been a while since we've recorded. So joining me for a third straight unofficial week is my good friend, Carl Hill. Oh, thank you, Mr. Sridhar. How are you doing this week? You know, we had a we had a pretty eventful last week, would you say? Yeah, last week was amazing. I had a great week. I shot a solid 57 on my golf front nine. I didn't play the last nine because I was too embarrassed to shoot over 100, and you okay. can understand how bad that would look. Yeah, that, that'd take probably about six and a half hours, maybe seven. Yeah, so this week I shot a solid, you know, 49, eight-stroke difference, which is why I'm going to actually put this one online so people don't know about my bad golf score. 49 on a front nine, people, is not that bad. I've got proof. It's not the worst score you can ever have. But that's how my week's gone so far. All I've done is played golf. What about you, Carl? Well, see, I'm not the golf guy. I'll leave that to, I'll leave that to Ani. But uh, I, did, I did get in the gym a little bit um, and, and balled. You know, born and raised in North Carolina, that's all you do when you grow, grow up in North Carolina. That's all there is to do. And so we are up at the uh, good old Eckley Center. Um, and University of Maryland campus. Uh, met up with Ani, um, my friend uh, Rashab Chatterjee, Ashwin Bargava coming up from uh, Newport News for the weekend. So we've got three um, guys based out of the uh, sub, is it Southeastern? Southeast? The subcontinent. The subcontinent. the subcontinent in Asia. Yeah. The subcontinent on the court. Me and um, the fifth was Grayson. Grayson. Um, so we, we show up against this team that had been running people. They're on a four-game win streak. We get out there. It's tied 15-15. Game going to 16. And I'll just leave it at that point. But throughout the game, we had some – we were laying it all on the line. Ronnie, oh, are you okay? Have you recovered? I am I'm absolutely recovered. That's a lie. The back of my head still hurts, okay. and that's not a lie. For it hurts you, so much. For all the listeners out there, this is exactly what happened. No hyperbole, no exaggeration. I'm standing at the top of the key, and Damari Carroll looked like 6'6", probably 240 pounds. 250. 250. I felt it. I felt it. 250. Um, does a crossover, drives the lane. Ani, of course, helps. He does the weak side help. He gets in the middle. He tries anything to foul this guy. Um, it looked like, I guess, yeah, at the time I said, Ani, it looked like a six-year-old got hit by a freight train. This guy gets hit and goes straight into the ground. So his, his face hits the ground. Then the guy run, goes up, misses the layup, um, and then lands on his on Ani's head, like on the back of his head. So it wasn't even like you think the back of the head is the floor. No, it's... 245, 245, 250 pounds lands on him. Uh, to be honest, I was a little uh, little confused coming up, but uh, he out there, he stuck through. And uh, we ended up tying the game at 15-15. And uh, shout out Ushan Bargava. Uh, did the uh, good old-fashioned right, righty floater righty going floater. away from the basket to win the game. And to make it clear, I was... Obviously, the smallest person on the floor that day. I am a solid five foot ten and a half. I'm gonna give myself the half, all right? 
probably 120 pounds, smallest person on the court, and I saw this huge dude driving to the hoop, one point to win it, and I was like, all right, you know what? We've lost a lot of games tonight. I can't take another L for the squad, so I'm going to go foul him. Little did I know, he did not care about the foul and just ran me over. And I, I bounced up off the ground. The first thing I said to my teammate was, did he score? True. The answer was, no. no. So I got up and I'm like, all right, we're going to win this game. And yes, I do put my body on the line for pickup basketball because that's who I am. <laughs> and that's what the Open Tap podcast is all about, putting it on the line. I think that's a great way to start. Have you been doing anything else? I've gone to the movies a lot with my boy Esteban and Ralph because when it comes to summer, all I care about are movies. Last night I went and saw Spider-Man and I was honestly really surprised because I didn't go in with a lot of good expectations because the last two... What is it, like the third one in seven or eight years? The third Spider-Man? It's a third different Spider-Man. And you can't beat Tobey Maguire, the first Spider-Man. The first Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire is unreal. But this beat... All of Andrew Garfield's Spider-Mans, it was equally funny as well as serious, which is why I loved it. So it had the whole Deadpool type of... Yes, okay. yes. Okay. The whole, like, Marvel did a great job with this Spider-Man. Like, they had enough of Iron Man in it. No spoiler alert. You've seen the trailers, people. You know Iron Man's in it. But it had the best, like, it had a great, like, plot twist. It had great humor. And it had great, like, Marvel superhero seriousness to it. Which is why I loved it. It was a good Spider-Man movie. Sounds like a great summer movie right there. I know. Alright. And then uh, I actually saw the Pirates of the Caribbean. Ooh. Um, the fifth one, you know, left a little to be desired. The uh, the main cast did make a cameo. Ooh, I haven't seen it yet. One, but I'm a huge Pirates fan. My family's been hooked since day one. You know, I loved it. I think it's a great thing to do with your family. If you got some young kids... If you are a young kid, go see the Pirates. Great family adventure. Dude, I've Through wanted the deep to see it. <laughs> I've wanted to see the new Spider-Man movie. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Not Spider-Man. New Pirates movie. So bad because my family is a huge Pirates of the Caribbean fan. We literally have a poster of Jack Sparrow from the third movie, which people hate. People hate. <laughs> With the one where like he's like dead but comes back from the dead in our basement. That's the only... Wall work we have in our basement. Decoration. Jack Sparrow standing on top of a boat with the Pirates of the Caribbean logo behind him because it's our family movie. But we haven't had the family like all together yet, like for a weekend this whole summer, which is unfortunate because my sister's been on a trip. I've been here at school and at work. My mom's been away. So it's been like we haven't had us all together where we can go watch the new Pirates movie because. That's our family movie. People hate it, apparently, but I don't care. Yeah. I'm still going to see it. Like It's a franchise that you've never... Once you're attached, you don't let go. Just like Fast and Furious, Harry Potter, Rocky. Iron Man, Rocky. Like A lot of people don't like like the Rocky series. Like I know that for a fact. Yeah. Rocky Four. people hate Rocky Four. But if you're hooked from the beginning... You're in it. You're in it forever. You're in it forever. Just like MLB teams... But I can't say the same because the Nationals haven't been in it forever. But you can because as a North Carolina fan, you haven't really had a baseball team. But the Cubs have been there since 1908. 
when they won that World Series, didn't they? Yeah. And that's all your state can root for. Darren Bowles going to win the World Series in 2018. Just mark my words. All right. Oh, my <laughs> God. Good Lord, oh, Carl. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, the Cubs, they actually – that's like the, the – I've been to Citizens Bank and I've been to Wrigley. Um, and Wrigley was a much better experience. The team actually won. Um, and so, like, I slightly identify with Chicago. Um, but, really, they have kind of turned it around since the All-Star break. We've got uh, Quintana coming in, who his first start had seven innings pitched um, and only gave up two runs. Might have to fact-check that one. I know all you commenters are going to get me for that. But his first start was against the Orioles. Yes, he performed very well. <laughs> um, then they have taken the lead from Milwaukee. Who got absolutely destroyed by my Washington Nationals today. Or oh, I guess gosh. yesterday, because it's officially the 28th, and they got destroyed on the 27th. On so the, the 27th. Last, on the 27th, the Nats put up five home runs in one inning. And in that inning, they had four home runs back to back to back to back. Thought and it was, it was, it's one of those moments where you remember, like for Nationals fans, I feel like it's one of those moments where like you remember where you are type of moments. And that doesn't happen in sports. Like... I will forever remember where I was when the Nats went back to back to back to back. Because it's, it's something that happens in, sp- like, baseball yes. very rarely. Yes. You never see, like, a baseball team hit back to back to back to back. It's, it's almost like a no-hitter in the fact that, like, oh, I remember watching Roy Halladay's no-hitter back in 2010. Exactly. Whatever that was. It's almost like a no-hitter where you're going to remember, like, where you were for that historic moment. And I will always remember where I was. My parents' basement. Woo! <laughs> Great place to be, baby. Red couch, like suede, like lining on that couch. It was pretty smooth. I had a blanket over me because it's kind of cold in the basement. So I saw, I saw the first two home runs, you know, by Goodwin and Defoe, and I was like, oh my god, these guys that never hit home runs are hitting homers. Must be a good day. And then, the and, then and, and, and then Bryce Harper hit a homer, and I was like, all right, second homer of the day. All right, no big deal, no big deal. Bryce hits homers all day. And then Zimmerman hit the home run to make it four in a row. And I was like, all right, bring out the banners, NLDS, what's up? We already won it. No offense is going to compete with us, especially because we just brought in some bullpen help, which I've been complaining about forever. But we got it with Ryan Madsen and Sean Doolittle. Yeah, Oakland is, um, they open up their thrift store. Um, They're selling everything they've got. Shocker. Um. And so, yeah, Sean Doolittle and Ryan Matson go to the Nationals. How, what, when you first found out the news, what, what was your first reaction? Ecstatic. Ecstatic. We didn't give up any of our top prospects for that. That's true. They gave up the 6 and the 10. Yeah, and we gave up Blake Trinan, who was supposed to be our closer, but he was unproven. So, I'm fine with him leaving. And we have two people that have proven to be, like, shut down closers in, like, the eighth and ninth innings, which is what the Nats have needed for a while. Regardless, Sean Doolittle last uh, Sean Doolittle two nights ago gave up three runs, and Nats still won, but he still gave him three runs in the ninth, which I'm not okay about. But he still got like he sealed the deal. He got three strikeouts, but gave up three runs. So it's like he got the job done, but I'm still a little bit insecure about his role in the ninth. But Ryan Matson has been a solid fix in that eighth inning. 
He has held every game the Nats have needed him to do, and I think it's a great move for the Nats. They've got two solid bullpen pieces now, and I know the deadline ends in three days. I think they need one more piece in that bullpen to be a legitimate World Series contender with that prolific offense. Here's a question before we move on from baseball that I know you really don't like answering, but I'm going to make you answer this. Who is your ALCS picks, top two teams in the ALCS, and your NLCS picks? Okay, so ALCS, um, I have the Astros getting there. I yes. love what they're doing. I think they're just too good. But then, then the next one's you, it's going to be a team from the wild card and get hot. I like what the base, baseball is the out of the major sports in America – it's kind of the, the game that um, the, the chances of the, dot of the uh, favorite team um, is the slimmest. Like the NBA, as we saw most recently, the Warriors were the best team. They, win. they went 16-1. Yeah. Um, baseball, that doesn't always happen. NHL similarly, but baseball especially. Just based on the day, I think that um, I really like what Cleveland's going to do. I just I think, uh, you know what? I take that back. I think Cleveland's going to take the division, but I think the Royals get in and they catch fire, and then who knows, man? Maybe with their bullpen, they're able to seal seal the games out and uh, make it to the ALCS. It's a stretch, but that's kind of what I'm going for with this ACS, with the ALCS. And who wins the ALCS? Houston. All right. Houston. And what you got in the NLCS? So when we get to the National League, um, I definitely. Th- I'm a believer in the Natty's curse. I do not think they make it um, into the World Series. I honestly don't even think they make it to the NLCS. There's a great chance that one of their star players can injure it. Strasburg just did. Um, it's very possible that uh, Schwarzer does again. I mean, it's just literally uh, anytime DC has any sort of promise, something bad's going to happen. It's one of the, the big theories of uh, sports falling or sports fandom in the United States. Um, so then I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the Cubs. I think because they've been so crap that once they make it into the playoffs, it's just kind of like a uh, a relief they have no pressure. They're gonna get in there, um, and they have a s- solid lineup. They're returning World Series. Um, once those bats start start hitting and there's no pressure on them, they're the underdogs, kind of like what happened last year. Um, then they start getting to the NLCS, and then of course, fortunately, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be that bold, and I'm gonna stick with the Dodgers just because they're too, they're like, there's two guys. And who wins the NLCS? Cubs. And who wins the World Series? Cubs. Cubs. Wow, back to back champs, the Chicago Cubs. It's really I... tough to do, but I think it's because they broke this 108 year curse. They are just playing with house money. I've got slightly different opinions than you. Okay. I think the Astros definitely make it to the ALCS. Okay. I think their pitching. American League's pretty weak. I think the pitching is good enough to get them there, and I think the hitting is amazing to get them there. I mean, what what did they have? Three All Stars from their hitting. They had Springer, Correa, and Altuve make that All Star team. So I think their hitting is good enough, and I agree with you. The Royals, in my opinion. Definitely, I think, make it to the ALCS. Surprisingly, they were literally sellers before the All-Star break. People were talking about Kevin Herrera moving, their closer. But now they're only two games out of their division on only 
and they've, they've been on an eight-game win streak. So the Royals are back. Eric Hosmer, he's been raking. Mike Moustakis was raking before the, the All-Star break, and he's raking again. Their bats are flying. I think, I think the Royals are back to what they were. So I don't think you can sleep on them. If they keep up this momentum, I don't see how they don't make it to the LCS. I think the biggest upset is going to be when the Red Sox lose to the Royals in the ALDS. Oh, I would love to see that. I think that's going to happen. Like, you heard it right now, Open Tap Podcasts, Carl Hill and Anis Redar think the Royals make it to the ALCS. When it comes to National League, I'm going to have to go with my home team bias. I'm sorry. I think the Nats break the curse and make it to the NLCS. That offense is way too good. And if you have Strasburg healthy and Scherzer healthy, that's at least three games because you're going to pitch game one, game two, and game five. Yeah. If you win game one and game two and you put Scherzer out there in game five after a day break, you can absolutely win a game. And Gio Gonzalez, can't forget him, has had a He's had a phenomenal He has year. had a phenomenal year. He's been the bet one of the best left handed pitchers in the National League after Clayton Kershaw this season. And I don't think I would have ever bet on myself to say that. But if they need to roll him out in like a game three situation, that's a win right there. Like, Geo can produce. And I think the Nats play the Dodgers in the NLCS because the Dodgers are a really good team. Yeah. A really good team. <laughs> I think the Cubs are, like, catching fire, but I don't think they have enough right now to knock off the two best teams in the NL at the moment. And as much as I – you know what? Nats are in the World Series, and I think they play the Astros. And – I think the entire DC curse breaks and the Nationals win the World Series. So that concludes our segment on uh, DC bias uh, <laughs> with Ani Sridhar. Um, Not even. Thank gosh that I hear that, that tune. Alright, Carl. I know you've gotten the last pick right with Justin Jackson, you're so cool, you got my clues right, but I honestly don't think you're going to be able to get this person right. Since we're moving on to NBA later, I'm going to give you a basketball player. My mans went to USC. USC as in? University of Southern California. Okay. That's where you went to college. There's, there's a bit of confusion between South Carolina and Southern California. Okay. Okay. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry that it was so confusing. He was drafted by the Washington Wizards, and he has played for two California teams. Those are the three clues I give you. He's played for two California teams. Drafted by the Wizards. Drafted by the Wizards. Went to USC, University of Southern California. OJ Mayo? No. He never played for the Wizards. How dare you? You put him on him. I know he's a USC boy. Um, you, if you need one more clue, I'll give it to you. Yo, this is a tough one. This is a tough Carl's, one. Carl's thinking a lot. Oh, boy. I love it. Ooh, I'm so happy um, I came up with a good player right here. Darn. Um, what do you got? What do you got? All right, let me give you one. Let yeah, me give you a clue real help? quick. Let me give you a clue real quick. He was involved 
in this offseason, and he would have played now. Next season, he will play for his third California team. Exactly. There's only three teams in California. <laughs> so he's played for two, and now he's going to play for the third. Oh, my gosh. So then, I guess, so we got the incomings for Clippers where they got Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly, Sam Decker, Daniel Garnelli, New Lakers. They got, oh, ooh. They got KCP. Oh, yeah, they did get KCP. That was the one I was thinking of. They got KCP. That's pretty much the only main incomer in Brooke Lopez. We know he was a Stanford guy. Um, and then Sacramento. They did some moving around. They got... Oh, oh, there are four teams in California. I forgot about that. Oh, and San Francisco. Crap, I didn't oh, even think about San Francisco. I almost forgot about Sacramento, <laughs> but then you forgot about San Francisco. Okay, so... Oh, Nick Young? Nick Young is exactly who I'm thinking of. Oh, gosh. He went to USC from 2004 to 2007. Drafted by the Wizards, 16th overall in 2007. Played for the Wizards, then Clippers. Helped the Clippers get to the playoffs in 2012, by That's the way. That's true. Swaggy P. And then went to the Sixers and then the Lakers for four years. And now he's the newest Golden State Warrior. Which is one of the moves the Warriors made in the offseason. Not just did they sign Nick Young, they kept players like Iggy, Sean Livingston, KD, and they're going to be a force to be reckoned with next season in the and, NBA. And most importantly, they kept uh, David West. Um, he, is, he sets the tone. I've yet to hear of anyone who's more feared slash respected in the NBA than David West. And I think his locker room presence is uh, very underrated on the Warriors. The biggest scar I have in my life as a Wizards fan is when Antoine Jameson made a game, apparent game winner against the Charlotte Hornets. And Steve Buckhans said, Dagger! Which is his like signature yes. when a Wizards player makes like a game winner, right? And there was about, I think, 0.6 seconds left, and the Hornets passed it in, and David West took a jumper around near like the free throw line, banked it off the glass, game over. Steve Buckhans, silent. Ani, <laughs> crying. I was done. And me and my dad have never forgotten that moment. Every time I see David West on TV, my dad goes, Dagger, is that, is, is that who Steve Buckhans said game winner? And I'm like, okay, yeah, dad, that, that's literally who Steve Buckhans said dagger game winner, all right? We don't have to bring up like seven years ago already. Just, so, just David clear, West. This is the uh, New Orleans Hornets. Yes, New Orleans Hornets, exactly. Not Charlotte or New Orleans, or my bad. But still, the Hornets yes. at the time. And it was sad. It was really sad because I thought Jameson hit that game winner, but David West did us one up. And I never <laughs> liked him, but I respect him. I think he's a really good power forward. And I think he's really good. Like, he's one of those guys we see at Epley now and then. Oh, that yes. are old, but know the fundamentals of the game. They oh, know yes. how to they know how to play in the post. They know how to pass, and they know how to hit that mid range jumper off the glass. They also know how to handle personalities. They've, Absolutely, they've seen it all. They've been around the star players. They've been around the talent. They know 
They're not phased by anything. They're all bald too. Fun fact. Yes. <laughs> you're, you're, they're usually bald. So if you have hair and you're kind of old and know what you're doing in like old school basketball, you're wrong. You got to be bald. That's yeah. that's that's the magic key right there. Okay, that's what we're all shooting for when we're forty. Okay, and then uh, so the Warriors definitely um, made thanks to KD. He uh, took a nine million dollar pay cut, I believe. Yes. Um, in order to uh, allow this the re-signing of these uh, important role players that uh, definitely separated them from the Cleveland Cavaliers in the final. Um, then we got the biggest offseason move, in my opinion, was what we have in Minnesota. Not Chris Paul. Not what everyone's talking about with these big markets. You think that's the biggest offseason move? I think that's the biggest offseason move. Jimmy Butler. Jimmy, Jimmy Butler is a bona fide stud. This guy is one of the most competitive guys in the league. He is six eight two way defender, or he's two way player. He's gonna guard the best player, and he's gonna get buckets on whoever is guarding him. When you add his leadership at the at that club, with the development of Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins has been horrendous on the defensive end. Um, but when you have Jimmy Butler and Tom Thibodeau barking at him, literally. Uh, to get back on defense and to play defense, you expect the Andrew to um, improve defensively, and he's got a stroke. Like the man is a six-eight shooting guard with a stroke. Um, and then you add one of the best penetrating guards in the league, Jeff Teague, to that team. It is going to be utter nightmares for the opposing coaches to try and guard that team. I think give you give them two years, they'll be in the Western Conference Finals. See, I'm going to have to disagree with you, not on the fact that they won't be in the Western Conference Finals in two years, but that being the biggest move in this offseason. Yes, I agree that team is going to be dangerous to play against, fun to watch, because with Cat, Jimmy Butler, Andrew Wiggins, Jeff Teague, oh my God, I can't wait to see what the T-Wolves do. But in my opinion, not the biggest move this offseason. I think Paul George going to the Thunder. Wow is the biggest move this offseason because that just shifts so much weight from the East to the West. You give Russell Westbrook another scoring piece here. Something and he, a defender. Something he lost when KD left. When KD and Russell were together, they, were almost, they almost beat the Warriors. They blew a lead in the Western Conference Finals. And Paul George is like... They also the poor, made it to the Finals. He's almost like a poor man's... Kevin Durant. He can score like KD can. Yeah. He can almost defend better than yeah. He can defend better than KD can. Yeah, I agree. But if he can play as well with Russell like KD did, the Thunder are going to be a force to be reckoned with again. Because the only piece they're missing is what? Todd Gibson. They still have Andre Roberson as their shooting yeah. guard. They'll play they'll play Paul George at small forward. They still have Steven Adams. They, have, yes. they still have Enos Cantor. Yes. So I think the Thunder are going to be like a surprise team. People, people will talk about them because of Paul George, but they won't take them seriously. But I think they're going to get off. You're right, because I think they will get off to a slow start just based on the fact Russ has to learn how to play with another star. Chemistry. Yeah. yeah. Obviously. But then once they come in um, down that back nine. Oh. Um, Ooh. After that all-star break, yeah. the Warriors are going to be scary. Like, the Warriors should be scared, scared. Yes. Because okay. I think they can actually match up with the Golden State Warriors. I never thought I would say that, but I think they can. 
That's a bold like you. They you have, think about I it. I think Stephen Adams is the key in that. Purely like you think about it. The inside presence. You've got you've got Russ on Clay. Yes. Roberson on Steph. Ooh. Paul George on KD. Stephen Adams on JaVale or Enos. And the key there is going to be Draymond. Draymond. And and you can win some games when Draymond's the key. Draymond and Iggy. He is, and uh, Iggy. And Iggy. The coin. Those two are going to be the key right there. But Iggy's uh, deteriorating a little bit. He's not going to be able to hold up his uh, finals MVP performance but that, much longer. But that small four who can play the three, yes. but also play the five, which Draymond can do, mm-hmm. is going to be the key, which is where I think Todd Gibson would have been useful for. But now he's on the Timberwolves back with Thibs. Yes. So I don't think OKC with Enos Cantor can fill that position. But I think OKC will still make noise in the West. The Timberwolves are going to be scary to look at. But the low-key team that I really am looking forward to, other than the Thunder, the Denver Nuggets. Oh, my gosh. Me... Ani and I love watching Denver highlights, purely because we are just huge Jokic fans. Jokic, huge oh, Jokic. Well, then, yeah. And then they just went out and sort of signed and traded, but just signed. Um, there were some backroom conversations for sure, but they add Paul Millsap, who's one of the savviest of the savvy veterans. All star last year. All star last year, um, and he is going to sit alongside of. Jokic, just to provide that extra grit on defense, the just ability to throw in the ball when the shot clock's running out and just say, hey, go get a bucket. He's a great passer. There's a very small percentage of, and he's a great passer. Yeah. Oh. I think he's the best passing power forward in the NBA. And I think Jokic is, is an Jokic art. a center? Yeah, Jokic okay. is the okay. best passing center okay, in the yeah. NBA. Okay. Right. And Paul Millsap's the best passing power forward, in my yes. opinion, in the NBA. That's yes. a very bold statement, I know. It's a huge bold statement, but they both have vision and basketball IQ that I've never seen. Millsap's been on the Hawks. I've seen him live against my Wizards in the playoffs at Verizon Center, and I was scared of Paul Millsap because I knew the vision he had to kick it to the wing, to kick it to the center. And when Millsap and Jokic team up next season... It's going to be a joy to watch and because Denver, I know they're going to click. And Denver gets up and down the court fast. They're a transi- transition team. They have Jamal Murray and Gary Harris running the wings. And Kenneth Reed, the manimal, just sprinting 33s up and down the court. Uh, down and backs. Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> this is my, some high school slang. But uh, we got the Denver is going to be a super fun to watch. Should we talk about the uh, Chris Paul? I mean, we. It's I, I guess we can talk about the Rockets. It's, the, it's not like it's not bit. like it's not like they made it to the Western Conference semis and barely lost to the Spurs or anything. Like <laughs> it's. Uh, I guess we can talk about can James Harden, the can MVP candidate. Can we can just slide. All right, here's the biggest question: Who gets the ball as point in Houston? James oh, Harden. Ball. James Harden thrived in that role. Yes. Mike D'Antoni did something I never thought would be possible. Yeah, but Chris Paul's in that role now. He's the point. Yeah. He gets the ball. Yep. How is that going to affect Houston's game? Um, it's gonna, you know, so D'Antoni, this is very interesting because all three stakeholders, D'Antoni, James Harden, and uh, Chris Paul, all conflict. So D'Antoni 
Exactly. Um, he was famous for creating the Sun system back to Steve Nash, where he wanted run, to get run, the shot. Run, 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 run. He wanted to get your shot off um, within seven seconds of the shot clock. Run, 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 run. James Harden loves having the ball in his hand. He loves getting to the Always. free throw line. And Chris Paul, probably more than James Harden, loves having the ball in his hand and setting up the matchups. He loves putting the chess pieces in the right place. He's one of the best at it, but he's a very methodical guard, um, very technical with the way his approach is. Lo- knows how to use a pick and roll. I think if D'Antoni can get Harden and uh, Chris Paul to buy into the transition pick and roll um, with uh, Clint Capella, who's I think is set for a massive, um, what should we call it, improvement this mm-hmm, season. Mm-hmm. If you're thinking about fantasy basketball, look at Clint Capella because he's going to have two guys throwing him lobs. I had him last season, okay. so I know what Clint yeah. Capello can do with the point guard. Yeah. I know exactly what Two he can do. Two guys throwing him lobs at the rim. So basically, what one of the hardest things to do in, the, in uh, basketball today to guard is uh, pick and roll. Make that even harder is you put that in a transition setting where you don't have the communication between the defense. You don't have you may not have the right matchups between the defense. And I think D'Antoni's going to try and exploit that. This is what my uh, high school coach preached um, back in the day, and, and you now see it a lot of times with Denver system, with um, the uh, who's the team in DC, the Wizards system. Sorry, um, uh, Portat is a great transition screen roll guy. So I think they're going to try and implement a system based around um, that core uh, set play. Here's my opinion that I think would have made like three teams very happy. So. Rubio moved from the T-Wolves to the Jazz. Yeah. That's the move he made. So here's what I think. And then Jeff T came to the T-Wolves and Chris Paul came to the Rockets. Yeah. Here's my vision where I would have think where I would have thought three teams would have been better. Rubio on the Rockets. Okay. Cuz Rubio can run. He he can run that fast break. Just like the Rockets can. They're a young team. They're all about scoring. Defense is not really their, like, mentality. Yeah. Right? Chris Paul on the T-Wolves. I think that would have been oh, amazing. Yes. Just to oversee the development of all these Over- Oversee the development of the small guards there. And then Jeff Teague on the Jazz. A replacement for who George Hill is. Yes. I think... Like, my vision of those three guards in those three destinations <laughs> that's is... That's a great point. I think that's where each guard belongs. Yeah. That's where I, like in my, like, NBA 2K manager mode, would have put each guard. Yeah. Rubio on the Rockets, Chris Paul on the Jazz, and Jeff Teague on the Wolves. But we know why Rubio went to the Jazz. Or opposite, Jeff Teague on the Jazz, Chris Paul on the Wolves. Yeah. We know why uh, Rubio went to the Jazz because of Gordon Hayward. Big friend of Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward wanted Rubio there, but the Jazz were like, you know what? We can't keep Gordon now because the Celtics are like, all right, we we need him. And the East is now wide open for the Celtics to just literally dive into and steal Gordon Hayward because Kyrie is going to leave Cleveland. Yeah, he supposedly requested a trade uh, request. Um, I kind of, I it's an interesting situation. I despise Dan Gilbert's cockiness um, and his uh, arrogance. However, and I also think that LeBron kind of brought this on himself. He's been radio silent. Everyone 
in the league has been uh, preaching that he's going to LA after the, after his contract expires next year. Yeah. And so Kyrie's thinking, well, hey, like if LeBron, you're gonna leave after a year. Like, what what am I doing still in in Rust Belt of Cleveland? Like, uh, I need to get out of here. And so he kind of flip. He kind of takes the power out of LeBron's hands and uh, requests a trade. Uh, we'll see if it gets done. There's no way that Cleveland gets any sort of equivalent return on the value to get um, to, for Kyrie because he is 25 years old. He's entering the prime of his career. He's the best ball handler in the league. No one can guard him one-on-one. So whoever does offer this trade is going to become a winner, regardless of how much they give up. You know what? I'm fine with Kyrie leaving. If it's within the Eastern Conference, great. If it's in the West, even better. Because now the argument is over. Best guard in the Eastern Conference is John Wall. In my opinion, even when Kyrie was in the East, the best point guard in the East is and was John Wall. And if Kyrie leaves, in my Derrick Rose is now a Cav. So, like, he would be the starting point guard in Cleveland. Yeah. The Eastern Conference Finals are no longer Cleveland's. I'm sorry. LeBron can't do it with D-Rose at point. It's over. It's going to be Boston against Washington in the Eastern Conference Finals. And that's final. I'm buying my tickets the day Kyrie leaves Cleveland. I'm buying my tickets for the East Finals in D.C. Book it now. You know what? I can't disagree because uh, LeBron is working with a team of ragtag, overpaid individuals. Um, so then we now sweep. Yeah, I mean, like he's got. We just got this out, but um, I got. I got. I know what I'm gonna. Okay. I mean, yeah, like he's got Richard Jefferson, Channing Fry, all these old veterans with him. But like, and now I guess Derrick Rose is taking a huge pick up from last year. But like, here's the question: If he gets mellow and loses Kyrie, do the Cavs still make the Eastern Conference Finals again? Saying with Melo on the team. Yeah, with Carmelo Anthony. I'm sorry, not Melo Trimble. I know he's the Melo we all know. <laughs> Does he make the Eastern Conference Finals again? Rest in peace. Um, yes. Wow. With no true point. Uh, if That's if D-Rose stays healthy, right? Yeah, what if I, he gets hurt? Which he's done for like the past eight years he's been in the league. I mean, for sake of argument, we'll assume everyone's healthy. For sake of, all right. Um, they make it back. Yeah, I just don't. I think they face the Wizards and the Wizards just don't have enough to. They play... So you say the Wizards beat the Celtics, no, or you say I'm the Cavs beat the Celtics? I'm saying the Celtics are already there. I'm saying the Cavs and the Wizards play for the Eastern Conference. Wow! Spot, and I think the Cavs will, will win. So you, it, all right? If if they don't get Carmelo, and it's still Cavs Wizards, who makes the NBA Finals? So you're saying it's just Love and it's just LeBron? Yes. And Jr. Yes. Because and D Rose and D Rose and Schumpert against the Wizards against yeah. the Wizards. Still going with LeBron. LeBron, all right, yeah. okay. I mean, when you get to the playoffs, it's uh, a lot more half court offense, and John Wall, unfortunately, has not proven to be too effective um, in that situation. 
I love him. Like, I wow. think he's one. I think he's not quite as good as Kyrie, but just half a step down. But he's a North Carolina boy, you know. He's Raleigh born. I mean, just purely based on like right. that's what I'm conceding. Like statistically, exactly, Kyrie's better. Who's the best? Who's the best pure point guard in the Eastern Conference? Pure point guard. We're talking point guard. I think you gotta give it to Isaiah right now after his most recent season. Absolutely disagree, because John Wall has averaged more assists than Isaiah over the year. Maybe not points, but assists. That's what a that's what a pure point guard does. You average double double in assists and points, and that's what John Wall does every season in and out. But John Wall's play style, he was one of the that, uh, it's archetypes. Been, it's been one season since Isaiah's done it on Boston. Yeah, John I'm Wall's saying, done, most recently Isaiah Thomas, best point guard in the East. Yes, Isaiah Thomas. Yes, I absolutely disagree with you. But this, I mean, is, we're, are we discounting Kyrie? Because I think Kyrie's the best. You think Kyrie's the best point guard in the East? Yes. I absolutely disagree with you. I think the answer is John Wall, and I don't even think Isaiah's two. Isaiah, it's John Wall, Kyrie, Isaiah. Okay. I don't even think it's. I don't even think Isaiah's close to the conversation. I honestly don't because you have to count in defense, passing, rebounding, scoring. All right, Kyrie's the best scoring point guard in the Eastern Conference. That's a guarantee. Isaiah Thomas, number two, best scoring point guard. Yeah. But when it comes to being a point guard, which means you have to make your teammates better, that's a huge role of your point guard, making your teammates better. John Wall is number one. He makes. That is. He got Otto. He got Otto Porter a max contract. That is a great point for for uh, John Wall because Kyrie has not made a single player better. Um. But just skill-wise, I have to give it to him. Um, Isaiah Thomas has gotten people better. Like who? Uh, Avery Bradley. Don't you dare say Kelly Olynyk, because I will slit your throat. I ain't that I'm cold. sorry, that's not a kill arrest. FBI, please don't arrest me. But I'm telling you, you say his name, I will. I ain't that cold. Don't worry mad. about that. God bless. Um, he hasn't gotten Avery Bradley better. Avery Bradley's always been one of the best defenders in the league. As a guard. Yeah, but offensively, he's been able to, because Isaiah Thomas attracts so much attention, he's been able to feed Avery Bradley and get, I mean, what did he average, like 16 points last year? That's it. It's just Avery Bradley. I mean, what's his name? Crowder? Expendable. Yeah. He, he's moved. He hasn't gotten him better. He's been the same season since he's I been in the league. I think actually gotten worse. Marcus Smart, you could say, has gotten better. Marcus Smart, when, when Isaiah's off the floor, because that's who he comes in for. So... Marcus Smart gets playing time when Isaiah Thomas is off the floor, when Terry Rozier gets in, too. Yeah. Al Horford hasn't gotten better. Uh, no way. But he's at the end of his prime. like that's... Yeah, but no way. There's no way. But when you look at the Wizards... We'll, we'll see how he do, what he does with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum this year. That will be a big... Jalen Brown also comes in when Isaiah's off the floor. He's a Jaylen, bench player. But Jalen Brown is... Um, yes. It was his first year in the league. And he exactly. Was Isaiah hasn't been proven yet as a... like. A playmaker. You look at John Wall. You look at Bradley Beal. He's now one of the best shooting guards in the NBA. Yes. Gortat's actually been Gort, yeah. one of the best pick-and-roll players in the NBA. Yes, and rebound. Otto Porter just got signed to a max contract. Yeah. And he had the one of the best three-point shooting percentage in the NBA because John Wall drives to the hoop and kicks it to Otto. Mm-hmm. Garrett Temple got a huge contract last season 
because of what John Wall did. Trevor Ariza got his payday also. Trevor Ariza got a payday. Kelly Oubre is now looked at an Otto Porter Jr., meaning like in a year yes. or two, he will get the same contract that KCP got this year with the Lakers. Which was, I think, personally a great buy by the Lakers. And Markeith Morris looks like a staple number four guy in the Wizards system because of John Wall. John Wall makes everybody around him better, and it's not even a question. That's, that's the sign of a true a true leader and a great... Point guard. Um, that's not a, necessarily, because he doesn't necessarily be a point guard. Yeah, but that's, he it's is a, sign a point of a, guard, a, a true leader. Player, a a leader, leader, leader yes. but at the same time, he's made them better as scorers. No, they, haven't, they haven't been better than yes. anything else in their games, but just scorers because of John Wall. Gortat's always going to get rebounds. He's a center. But will he always score like he has now in the past two years? No. No, because John Wall's always there. All right, Same I'll concede with, to you on this one. Because I'm giving you facts. That's the I, only I, reason. I definitely know? like that, that appeal. Because, like, Otto Porter, he's, you, he was a good player coming out of Georgetown. He wasn't the worst. But did you think he was going to get this max contract? He was drafted second overall and considered to be a, a lock. I did not know he was going to be this good. Or at least look this good. Yeah. That's the thing. And I think John Wall made that happen. Which is why, if thank God John Wall signed this max. Because without him, Otto would be nothing. Yeah, you guys got... Uh, he definitely made you sweat a little bit on that one. I hope so. But NBA is a long time away now. We still got a couple months. But for me, I still need my Nationals. To win the NLDS and NLCS. So the only thing I'm looking forward to next week and the weeks beyond are the Nationals winning more games. So so they solidify their spot in the playoffs so they can rest their starters like Strasburg, who's on the DL now, but they don't have to pitch him. So he's ready to go for the playoffs. What are you looking forward to next week and beyond? Well... Um, so what I'm looking forward to is uh, a little bit of uh, soccer news. Is Coutinho Ooh. Coutinho staying at Liverpool? Wow! Um, Barcelona is becoming knocking at the door um, with boatloads of of new Neymar money. Um, and if we can keep, I have no. I think Coutinho is a perfect fit for Barcelona. I hope he goes on and does great there. But I think I, I just hope we were able to keep him for this 2017-2018 uh, season and kind of solidify uh, Liverpool's the club um, as a Champions League uh, caliber club um, and really take over Arsenal's spot um, now that they are in uh, internal flux. So I just saw Chelsea's new acquire. Morata in person. I oh, Alvaro. Alvaro Morata. I loved what I saw, but I also saw Barcelona with Neymar against Man U last night. So, if they lose Neymar, do you think Coutinho is a sure thing in Barca next season? No. Um, so what Coutinho did this summer is he signed a contract with no release clause. Oh. So that means that it is all up to the club mm-hmm. to accept them, and when when they sell. Neymar for what is it? Two hundred pounds? More? Two nineteen? Two twenty-two? Around that? Yeah, it, it's a lot. It's a lot. Barca. When it comes to that, it's a lot. Um, 
they are going to have unlimited funds. Yeah. And I'm unfortunately the the owners are the same owners as the Red Sox. The owners of Liverpool are the same owners uh, as Red Sox, and they probably are going to sell, just because they're going to be faced with an unreasonable offer. I really hope they stand firm this year, and and let because Coutinho is primed for to take the next step and become the. There's definitely a word I'm looking for: the companion, the companion at top, a top of Brazil, um, and with with Neymar, to try and deliver a, a World Cup, and I think that they'll the value will only increase if LFC is able to hold on to Coutinho. Well, for your sake, I hope Liverpool keeps Coutinho because that'll make the Premier League a little bit more competitive when it comes around again in like two weeks, which I'm so excited for, because soccer's back in two weeks. I think August 11th, Premier yes. League kicks off again. I think my boys Chelsea are going back for that title again with Alvaro Morata at striker. But for now, you've listened to the Open Tap Podcast. I'm Ani Sridhar. I'm Carlo. And I hope you tune in to our next episode next week. Thank you for listening.